Do you want to earn more cash flow from the assets you've already got? Hi, I'm Sam Powell. And I'm Jared Krause, and we are the hosts of the Property Pals Australia podcast. In, in this episode, we're going to be talking about how renovating your asset can increase your rent. Obviously, it's a no-brainer, but we talk about some important things that you should be thinking about when you are going to renovate uh, the property prior to renovating it. Yeah, yeah. We also touch on you know, your property portfolio growth strategies that you can uh, help to increase your asset value and cash flow at the same time. Then we move into talking about something that I love um, that I have coined is the infinite loop of wealth between owning a business and also owning property or property portfolio and how you can grow both portfolios at the same time. Yeah, the um, I guess examples always good. So we run through a few examples of. Um, what someone with equity can do and how they can spend it to uh, increase their cash flow. And we move into talking about the importance of having the right people on your team to guide you through the process of increasing your cash flow and also helping you to grow your property portfolio without you taking on too much stress at the same time. Yeah, so before we get into this um, episode, I wanted to tell you that this podcast is not the only way that we can help you um, or your, you know, your trust circle for free. Uh, we have our How to Maximize Your Borrowing Capacity mini course, so you know, love for you to you know, have a look at that and also share it with your, your friends and family so it can help them um, learn and grow too. So just head over to propertypals.au forward slash resources and use this tool to buy a superior asset and achieve a better ROI. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal financial and taxation advice from a qualified professional. Increasing your cash flow without selling your property. How do you do it? What are ways to do it? Um, what do I actually mean when I'm saying that, those words? So um, when it comes to, like, it's all around the borrowing capacity and lending, right? So there's certain ways, and in the previous pod, we discussed you know, ways to renovate your property to either sell or to um, increase your rent. So, yeah, so uh, that's one way. Yeah, one way, renovate it because that way it's a better property and yeah, people are willing to pay more money for a better quality property. It's pretty simple, right? Yeah, and once you renovate it, you get one, you can one, increase your rent, or number two, you could sell that property and buy a uh, better asset that does provide a better cash flow i guess yep yep yeah in uh, terms of like getting out of one thing and moving moving to another investment because of the opportunity cost of holding that investment that you've just done a renovation on yeah and there's um you know certain cycles in life where even selling down an asset you know, if you're that, that's the last thing you want to do is sell your asset because that's increasing its capital value year after year however um if you do sell down that asset, you're realizing that gain, that um, profit that you've you've got can be put into either offsetting another another mortgage. So that's increasing your cash flow because you've got less debt. Um, that can give you that freedom and flexibility to, to uh, um, a strategy is you buy multiple properties, you sell a few down, and then they, then you're done. There's your, there's your cash flow um, component 
because you've got less debt. So that's one way to increase your cash flow. Talking about renovating too, um, that's a one way to increase your cash flow. The other sort of more complex methods are you're doing that subdivision. So you hold that asset, you sell off the vacant block of land at the back, that gives you an extra couple hundred grand, you use that to either offset further debt, or as you said, buy another asset with a higher cash flow component. And with that subdivision, you could put a property on it as well if you mm. if you have the ability to finance it and there's ways that you could finance it with uh, equity. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, so you do the subdivision, you now have got two two lots, you've increased that equity in the total property because you can get a saleable asset. Instead of selling it, you then use that equity to help you build a, a house mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to give you a rental income. So that's increasing your income, increasing your cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really cool little strategies around that. Um, and then another part that we delve into, um, and the key here is to, by increasing your cash flow in the bank's eyes, you're going to uh, have greater serviceability. So they're going to be able to lend you more money. Increase your borrowing capacity. Yeah, right? increase your borrowing capacity. Uh, so you're less of a risk to them. And with able to increasing your cash flow, uh, a, a key strategy that um, you, know, you use as you're growing a portfolio uh, is to draw down upon the equity that's in there. So banks will look at your household income, your investment income, pull that together and say, well, based on these income streams, we're happy to lend you X dollars. Mm-hmm. So what um, some people do is, when I say don't sell your your properties because they're increasing in value and you're doing nothing, that's that passive side of investing that we're all about. Uh, what you can do is by increasing that cash flow initially, you, know, you might not have much cash in the bank after that um, renovation or subdivision or build, uh, but you've got that higher cash flow coming through. You can then refinance that, uh, that your whole loan structure. This is not financial advice, by the way. I'm going to throw that one in there. Um, it's you know, speak to your mortgage broker, your accountant, their licensed professionals. It's just general um, advice that I've come across in um, my, I guess my my years of doing this. But what you um, what you're essentially doing is using that cash flow to pull equity out, and that's going to give you a lump sum of um, of cash essentially. So if you, as an example, you've got um, $800,000 in, in debt, um, your on cash on, a, on, a, on, a, yeah, on your portfolio, yeah. your um, cash flow can now help justify up to $900,000 in holding debt. So you can refinance that. You pull that hundred grand out, essentially. You're paying the debt now on $900,000 from a cash flow perspective. Which is a really important thing because there's pros and cons to drawing equity out. Yes, yes. So he's like, well, you now have $900,000 in debt uh, um, from the, the bank's ledger, but you've got an extra hundred grand in cash sitting there in your um, offset account. So that's a strategy that people use to then go, well, I can now go buy another property as that's a deposit for another home. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on where you're at in your lifestyle, right? Like some people want the new home, some people you know, want the holiday, they want the car. Uh, biggest issue with those things is you're pulling money out it's like your future money you're pulling out if you're putting that into a depreciation depreciating 
Some call it asset. I call them liabilities. Like a car. Like a car. You're basically, I guess, if you go and buy, take 100K out and you're also buying a 100K car, you're basically get, getting finance for a car. Right? It's because a, that hundred k is getting going to get added to your mortgage, so you're basically getting finance on the car. It's not like I'm just pulling out cash. I'm buying this with just cash. Like, well, no, you've put a, sort of put that that fine, like you put that extra hundred k on your mortgage, which you'd still need to pay whatever percentage of interest yeah. on that, right? Yeah, and then that doesn't go very far when you are buying a holiday. Uh, so you're buying a twenty, thirty k, thirty k holiday. Uh, then you're financing a holiday with debt. debt. Yeah. <laughs> so you're actually borrowing from your future self to do those types of plays and that's why if you're borrowing from your future self to buy a, an asset that appreciates in value and, and gives you good cash flow. Like buying another investment bought, property. Yeah. 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 Um, that makes logical sense. Uh, but everyone's different. Like I've had some scenarios where you know people are – you know, asset rich and cash flow poor, and that's actually a, a strategy for some uh, some people. Some um, they get told that you know buy those blue chip assets in you know Sydney, Melbourne, whatever, Brisbane, and you got you know rubbish cash flow. So yeah, that all sounds great. I've got this nice property in you know, Vaucluse. It's it's a beautiful multi million dollar mansion. But guess what? <laughs> I'm getting like it's costing me a hundred grand a year just to hold the thing. Yeah. So um, good for your ego, though. Yeah, but like in, in their mindset, because because they're not cash flow driven, they're like, well, it increases in value every two hundred two hundred grand every year, and it's costing me a hundred grand to hold. So so they're getting an extra hundred k in capital growth, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, my only concern with those strategies is that. Uh, Where's, where's your income stability, you know, and like what's your future sort of plans with that? So the, going back to that strategy is what people do is as they grow in value, and it's generally these are these high net worth individuals with high cash flows, they can support a greater loan capacity. So they end up drawing the equity out to fund their lifestyle. Um, and as retirement play, it's got massive issues in that um, the banks aren't going to keep allowing you to draw the equity out because you're going to need income to support it. And as you retire, you've got no income. So, uh, And the income you're getting from that actual investment property is rubbish because it's got a, you know, a really poor yield on it. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, the, the strategies around it, but that's sort of like ways to pull that equity out is um, you know, quite important to understand in your growth because what I'm seeing at the moment is that people are actually struggling to you know, make um, repayments. Repayments because they've got their asset rich, their cash flow poor, um, uh, and they're like, "All right, well, we're, we're saving you know, a little bit, little bits of money, and uh, we want to sell our property because it's um, we want to save more money to you know go and go on that holiday or to do that um, you know, to buy the new car that you know we really really want. It's a big rock in our jar at this point in time because we've got fourteen kids and we need fourteen key carnivals." <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, 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 I guess the strategy around that is like, well, don't sell the asset that's appreciating value, draw down the equity, use that equity to you know, do what you need to do to help you hold this property through this, you know, higher, um, I guess, cash requirement period in your life. Whilst the interest rates are high, you mean just 
yeah. get through this period, take yeah. some take some chips off the table whilst you're, you know, struggling with cash. But yeah. I guess it's we still people still need to understand it's finance. They're still paying that as debt off, right? I, I would. Did you have anything else to add to that? Because I would otherwise I would love to run through some scenarios uh, where I was just overseas and chatting to a friend and. Um, now, since the podcast, a lot of people, even before the podcast, talking about property and building building portfolio and strategy and stuff like that, and looking at how people can retire earlier um, through building a property portfolio with what they've already got, and it might just be they already own one property, um, and there's ways that people can increase their cash flow without selling that initial property through the you know drawing equity out that can build. Uh, them to become even more asset rich. Um, yeah, you can get more cash flow through it, but like I guess if you're going to play the long game, you buy the assets and eventually you become more cash flow rich from buying multiple assets. So should we go through like an example of somebody that owns one property and what they could do with figures a model would look like for them to pull equity out and how they could grow their property portfolio and cash flow from it? Yeah, yeah. Um Oh, it's probably, probably should have written down a bit of an example, but uh, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. We'll, we'll go through it. So, say somebody has a a property and it's worth. Uh, let's just go around figures. Say it's worth seven hundred thousand dollars, and they've got four hundred thousand dollars of debt on it. So they've got basically three hundred k there. The difference there is three hundred k of equity, mm. and what 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 are some of the scenarios that people could do with that? Like we talked about, like aside from buying a car and a holiday and being able to afford the things that you want in your daily life, um, which we wouldn't advise again. Yeah. <laughs> versus, like, do you buy another property? What would that look like? How much would that cost you on your initial property? Like, how much debt would you ha- then have on that initial property, and then how much debt would you have on another property? So, say it's somebody that's making ninety grand a year. And they've got three hundred k, you know, in equity. Mm. Well, like, what 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 are their options? Well, if you got that property, then the ninety k, you got to go to your you know, mortgage broker, understand what your buying capacity is. It might just be that you know your serviceability is only for uh, say five hundred thousand dollars as a max loan. So um, from that, you're like, well, you've already got the four hundred thousand in, in debt. On the other property, so you've only got a hundred thousand dollars in additional um, debt that you, you could service. Can service the bank will only let you service an extra hundred. So that means that they could only pull out an extra hundred k for a property deposit, not the three hundred k. Well, right? then you got to look at well, what property asset are you buying? What income? What income can support that? Yeah. Like I guess my point is, well, some people might not be able to buy another investment property, um, so they'll. It's like, well, what else can I do to increase my cash flow? You mean? They they can't buy another property because they can't get borrowing capacity. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So then it's like, well, maybe you know, as we spoke about with the at the start of the the pod is, what can you do to increase your cash flow that can increase your increase your borrowing capacity? And then from that is you, you do your renovations to help increase rent. Um, with that increase in rent, then you can go and refinance, and it'll increase your borrowing capacity. If you're Wanting to, I guess, invest. This is getting into like real sort of like non. This is not financial advice, uh, any of this kind of stuff. Um, 
it's just alternative options to think about and go and talk to your accountant and um, you know, your, your best broker, your financial planner, broker, investment advisors um, to sort of see look at look at what your options are because um, if you want to keep investing, it's like there's there's different asset vehicles as well. It's not just property. The shares. There's uh, if you want to go down the crypto path as well. There's some interesting plays in that and the technology of um, where that's heading. Then you look at you know, other joint ventures, syndicates where you, know, you can actually put in a hundred grand into a syndicate, and that can, you can pull your money in with other people and help grow that as well. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple different strategies. The issue is that everyone's trying to take your money from you, and you need to get educated around each individual one and focusing on which one suits your strategy moving forward and your risk appetite, um, because you don't want to just trust someone to do the best thing by you. I say to people, if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. Yeah, you need to do your due diligence first. So, I mean, the answer to your question is like, if you do have that buying capacity where you go, well, you've got another couple hundred grand, say 300 grand in equity in that property, banks will only end up to a maximum of 80% of a loan to value ratio from um, 90% if you're on your your position. Um, and what you're buying. And what you're buying, and that's why property is always very safe from that perspective because you know, people need to live somewhere, um, safest houses, they say. Mm. And then you use that, um, that that strategy and go, well, we need to, we're looking at a three hundred to $400,000 property. Um, you know, we, we need to have a 5.5% gross yield on that property in order to make this deal work to stack it up. So now you're starting to understand exactly what you're looking for and then you go down that path of well what with those figures what can i buy and i will tell you there's plenty of things to buy for 300 to 400,000 dollars in good growth locations around australia with good cash flow so yeah with a 100k deposit if you can get borrowing capacity for a 400k or three to 400k property which means somebody could go away in that sort of situation or maybe similar could go away and purchase another property which would increase their cash flow. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it, it really just depends on, I guess, what their their goals are and uh, having the, your eyes wide open too. Like you can hold 10 properties in your portfolio. Um, well, at the moment with the new, well, I guess, APRA has changed all the um, regulations and ruling, so it is difficult to hold say 10 properties so a lot of people go out there and tout i've got all these properties and you mean 10 in your personal name yeah okay yeah, you generally it's different you, with different structures like yeah you yeah. get trusts yeah, yeah. companies so you get to the point generally in your personal name around three that you start to hit a bit of a barrier but um a barrier in terms of borrowing capacity yes, right yes. yeah you know it's important for people to understand like what is a what's the barrier yeah and then you get the yeah different strategies where you're like well the barrier is because you don't have serviceability it um, that means cash flow coming through. So, what can you do to increase that cash flow? Um, but then, you know, some some banks are just pretty much like, look, we just don't really. That's just not in our our rules and regulations and our guidelines. You've got three. That's it. And then you're like, okay, cool. What else can we do? You know, the said trust structures. Um, going into um, you know, even if you turn around and say, I can buy this asset that's giving me an additional thousand dollars a week in cash flow. Some banks might be saying, well, I don't really care. You're, you're still over leveraged for your PAYG income of 90 grand a year. Yeah. So then 
smart accountants, good accountants can you know, give you the right advice and then you can look at, yeah, well, I'll have a separate entity own that and I can still be the beneficiary of that cash flow. And then, yeah, that's where you, you need to get into the weeds with your accountant around um, and your mortgage broker as a, as a team to um, understand what, you know, what those implications are and what the costs are involved. Hmm. Luckily, we know uh, an accountant that's also a mortgage broker that we're going to get on shortly. Yeah, I've got some really good um, relationships that we've built over the years, like accountants, mortgage brokers, financial planners. Um, some are all, you know, where... Buyers agents. Buyers agents. All the, yeah, they're, they're not buyers agents, but, I've, yeah, got some really switched on people that because they wear a couple of hats in the companies that they've set up and they oversee that, um, it's good to obviously have a chat to and... Yeah, leverage leverage our um, our contacts as well. Like yeah, hit out. us up on email. Like email us and uh, ask you What's know for email? a mortgage broker. What's our email again? Hello at propertypals.au. There we go. There's a little bit of a cheese that'll sprinkle on there. Yeah. So <laughs> you did, like the people that we actually use, like let us know if you want to know who they are, and we'll we'll um, maybe do an email intro or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's. There's mortgage brokers everywhere, there's accountants everywhere, there's financial planners everywhere, there's buyers agents now everywhere. Um, some, as I always say, some are good, some are great, some are shit. You know, like a lot are no good. Though. Yeah, it's like the 80 20 rule. Yeah. 80, 80 are rubbish, 20, 20 are good. You know, and then even go even further, you want that top 5% that are great. Yeah. So it's taken years to figure out these people. Um, and, you know, the, because they are good, they come and go. That's the kind of the issue is that you know, you're in a business. They're not chasing work. No, no, <laughs> no. And, that, and that's, that's the difference is that you know, even as you, know, you grow as a professional, you, know, you have to learn to say no more than you say yes. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of a, a little nutshell into increasing your cash flow, which leads to, you know, in pulling increasing equity and pulling out equity to help fund different ventures in your life, and even down Jared's route, it was you know, the cash flows in online businesses are so much greater than property. But then mm. everything has a trade off. Keep telling people it's this. risky. Online businesses are a lot riskier than property. Well, and, and that's like it's like it's the risk reward ratio that um, all investors talk about. So the higher the risk, the higher um, reward you should be chasing. Um, but then you need to sit down and be honest with yourself and say, well, if I put a hundred grand into a business and it failed, what would that would that send me bankrupt? If the answer is yes, don't do it. Yeah, spot on. I'm a I'm a component of both investing in in both um, because I call it the infinite loop of wealth. Where if you invest in an online business, it can give you higher cash flow, even though it's got higher risk. That high cash flow can turn into a property deposit. And then you can roll that cash flow into a property deposit and then you buy a property and with that property as it grows, that's going to build out equity um, and or cash flow. And then you can take that cash flow and equity and then you can use that to purchase another business or put it back into the business that you have. And you can have a high risk, high return asset with a low risk, low return asset like um, business to, to property. Yeah, and then you go even further into, I mean, business route and we should develop all these they're all interconnected because you have businesses that are lower risk that have higher cash flow than property mm. but they're, they're quite safe once you know and understand them that's why i say to people that if you don't understand it don't invest in it yes uh, but the same as property there's there's high risk property strategies as well 
yeah. where you know you can go into your developments, you can go into say certain commercial purchases where you know you, you actually can make a lot of money, a lot of cash flow, um, you know, good capital growth. However, uh, as an example with commercial, you can you can run six month and even twelve month vacancy periods where you've got no cash flow and you're still holding that debt, and that can financially bankrupt you. So that's a high risk strategy, unless you've got you know, business income or other higher income to help float you through those times, you know, it's all a, a balancing project. So I guess that's that infinite loop that you talk about. Yeah, yeah. Having that high income being put into low income good assets. Um, and yeah. protecting yourself too. That's where the accountant comes out where it's like, if you do, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is actually really evolving into something interesting. If one entity fails, uh, say your business um, you know, goes bankrupt, you don't want your properties to go yeah. to fall with it. You know? yeah. It's protecting all through asset protection is super key too. Yeah. So I have a trust for property and then uh, a different company and it's very separate. So like if I get sued through uh, or, you know, have some something happen, um, liability thing happen within business they can't come after my assets that are in uh you know trust and stuff like that even though guys i've got insurance and i'm covered and you're doing the right I've thing never been to court and uh yeah doing the right thing um yeah i mean it's still worth having those those risks um and yeah op- like not not having everything attached, right? Because if you buy all those, like you said, you could buy three in your personal name and like you might be a plumber and, you know, something happens and, you know, you do some gas fitting on a house and it blows up, they could come after your three properties, right? Mm. Yeah, and you don't know what the future holds. I mean, there's so many elements like, uh, I mean, people over in America jump in front of cars to sue people. You know, like I know that this is far-fetched stuff, but like literally when we were over there, you know, like they drive, if you're standing on the side of the road, people actually like, and I'd say it's a 60 mile an hour, not I mean, 40 mile, was that, yeah, like 40. 50 Ks or something like our, our speed. But they actually like slow down to a point where I remember that. I they're remember like, that. they're like anticipating you to jump in front of the car and we're like, and you're, and we're getting pissed off because we're like, hurry up. I need to walk. Yeah. Like, like we want them to go past so we can, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, well, I guess the rise of that, you know, no win, no fee lawyer is just really been a real, uh, it's like that evil side of the world that yeah. um, is toxic. So I think we're pretty good in Australia um, compared to America with that stuff. So sticking on the theme with like getting maximum cash flow without selling your property, we did talk about obviously the renovations, like you can increase your rent. Right, you can add a dwelling, you can subdivide, and then you can also draw equity out, which could also be put in towards a renovation that could increase rent as well. Are there any other ones that you can think like, how can we increase? And if even it's not just one property, um, how can we increase cash flow for multiple properties in a portfolio? Uh, yeah, so I mean, say depends on your. Um, Lease agreements, so residential, if you're paying, if the tenants are, um, it's a gross lease, which means like they just pay you a rent. So mm-hmm. there's a few um, dual occupancy properties that you know, we, we look at for clients where the tenants just pay like a, you know, you pay 600 bucks a week. It's going to say 500, but 
yeah, 600 sounds better. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you just pay that. We pay electricity, we pay water usage. You know, um, if, if you're paying electricity usage, chuck some solar panels up there. Yeah. You know, that, that'll decrease your, your costs, so increase your cash flow. Uh, I mean, there's depends on where your assets held too. I mean, billboards are a classic thing where you can actually mm. construct them, have different income streams. With commercial, I mean, you can um, yeah, rent out your office, your, your roof space. You can build in mezzanine floors to increase your net level area. Um, there was, you know, that strategy around putting ATMs in to um, certain commercial properties. All right. But, you know, I look at the future and go, <laughs> yeah. how long are we going to need cash for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, I, whether you believe it or not, like there is a massive push towards digital, you know, currencies because it's easier for the government to track and they want that for simplicity purposes and taxation. Um, fortunately, that we've got to play to their rules. Um, so I don't see that as a viable long-term strategy. Yeah, I agree. And then we also touched on this. We could just touch it on briefly in this pod. We talked about it on the last one. With a residential property, uh, can you turn it into a dual occupancy that could increase your cash flow? For example, you've got a $600 of rent for one, you know, occupancy can you turn into a dual occupancy or three or four or five depending on the zoning where you can how many occupancies you can have in within one dwelling um that are self-contained and increase cash flow that way which could be a pretty pretty awesome way to go yeah so there's you know granny flat plays as well Mm -hmm. so typical granny flat um at the time of recording august 2023 Mm -hmm. um you're looking Roughly around two hundred thousand uh, dollars for a granny flat to be yeah. built on yeah. your property. So you look at that and go, well, if I can get three fifty a week out of that, I'm just doing the figures right here. Mm. Over a two hundred thousand dollar purchase, three fifty back to so eighteen thousand a year divided by two hundred thousand. That's a nine point one percent return on your your cash. So yeah. you go, well, where else can you find a nine point one percent you know return? It's also going to increase the value of the home. Yeah. Uh, my other sort of guidance around that is be careful of your property because um, if you're hindering the main dwelling, it also reduces the value of that main dwelling. So corner lots are great for granny flat plays. Yeah. Um, your internal lots, not so much. Another one that I just thought of now is a friend of mine, how they increase their cash flow is they live in their property uh, but they also rent out a port, like a, a room and a part of their property to Airbnb, yeah. uh, which can be a really good way to increase your cash flow. And I thought about that as well. Like in Palm Beach, should I buy a three-bedroom place and like live in one bedroom and have an office and then rent out a lower-level Airbnb, which could basically come close to covering rent <laughs> or most of the mortgage? Um, could be a good way to increase your cash flow as well, Airbnb. Yeah. Just know what you're getting into. If you're generating income out of your principal place of residence, there's you know, taxable events in the future. So talk to your accountant. And the zoning as well. Uh, Dad was saying that some places in Palm Beach, like south of like uh, I think it maybe like twenty or twenty first or nineteenth Ave, you can you can rent um, to short term stays like Airbnb. But north, like where he lives, they can't Airbnb in his building, uh, which is you got to do your DD and all this stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So different complexes, like there's the strata and the body corporate side, but they don't approve it. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of complexities. But 
yeah, you think outside the box and just be work smarter, not harder. Like, yeah. yeah, we're in a massive, um, I guess, housing shortage in Australia, and I can't foresee getting any better anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's ways to increase yeah, your cash flow without selling property, as we're all about. And then yeah, we touched on this maybe a little bit earlier around increasing your borrowing capacity. But that uh, go back and listen to that um, episode as well. But increasing your income through other means as well. Mm. way to increase cash flow. I guess the whole premise is um, people do get themselves in situations where, um, especially with property, where it, it's a long-term play, so you're getting good capital growth, but you might the cash flow may not be um, where you'd like it to be. So they switch their minds to stuff it, I'll sell it. You know, yeah. I've made a bit of money, but then when you're selling it, you've got agents fees on the way out, and then if you're going to go buy back in, then you've got fees on the way in, stamp duty legals. So... Um, just be mindful of like history does show that the compounding effects of long-term investing in property is in your favor so do what you can to to hold it um but i guess coming back the storm yeah ride the storm but then i also get to where it's your health is the most important part um yeah. of your life so uh, if you've leveraged yourself to the hill and you're stressing out then just let it go and mm-hmm. um Downside. You've, you've learnt a lot. Yeah. So just keep keep learning and growing. But yeah, don't give up on um, the asset if you don't need to. Correct. Yeah. Love it. All right. Where should we send people to? Yeah. If you have any questions, um, please yeah just leave comments below. Um, I'd love to to let us know what we're doing wrong and what we're doing right as well. Like. Uh, uh, there's a lot of information that we just throw out every week and we're getting some really great feedback and people um, you know, telling us what they love about it. Um, and like, in order for us to, to grow and help others, um, yeah, please reach out, hello at propertypals.au and um, yeah, check out the website. And if there's anything else that you need like for us to create. Um, to chat help, about. Yeah. Um, just let us know. Like if you've got a scenario of like where you're at in your property portfolio or one property and you're thinking about a few different things, like maybe we just use that as a case study and an example that we can help people with. Like, yeah, send it through and we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll break it down. Yeah. Um, more than happy to try and help the community as we as we grow. Like it's, a, it's as you can see, we're, we're pretty passionate about it and we're very grateful to be where we are. So in order to help us, you know, feel our cut, it's kind of at that stage where you, you get enjoyment out of helping people. So definitely, um, yeah, definitely. hopefully you're enjoying our sultry voices in this microphone <laughs> each week. <laughs> I guess we should get you guys to hit the subscribe button as well. Um, and if you are enjoying this pod or there is a previous pod that you have enjoyed, please do share that with somebody that is either owns a property or is thinking about buying a property uh, or has a property portfolio and wants to grow that. Um, hopefully we can help more people. And yeah, we'll chat to you guys soon.